Welcome to the FNO InsureTech Podcast, a place where movers and shakers from all points within the insurance ecosystem gather and discuss all things InsureTech. We talk about how technology and innovation are affecting and driving change in the industry. Here are your hosts, Matt D. Fothery, Lee Boyd, and Rob Beller. Hey, Podcast World. We are here with a very, very, very special edition, something we've never done before, but I don't think we've ever had kind of an opportunity like this before. We are here to talk about the question, how does the Lemonade IPO affect or influence the insurance and insure tech ecosystem at large? So we went out to our network of really, really, really smart people and asked a bunch of them if they would give us a really quick comment of their thoughts and opinions of the Lemonade IPO and what it means. There's so much to talk about. We've heard so many people who had positive. We heard some people who had some negative right. about it. We have some people who talk about a wait and see, you know, let's just see what actually happens. Uh, so we thought, well, let's get, let's get some of the smartest minds that we know who this really could impact. Let's get them on the podcast and let's just ask them, what do you think? Right. We chose people from different points and places around the ecosystem, carriers, insurtechs, influencers, etc., and uh, asked them to be with us. And we kept each interview very short. And so I think you'll enjoy hearing what they have to say. And so here are the people who are joining us today, not in this order, but we have Rob Galbraith, who is the author of The End of Insurance as We Know It. And Rob works on the carrier side, but has written extensively about InsureTech and is certainly an influencer within it. We have Tim Atia, the CEO and co-founder of Slice Labs, and we all know about Slice Labs and have heard about it, and they're doing just tremendous things in our space. And we recently had a, an episode that we did with Tim, and he commented on this as well. We have Mark Brading, who has been with us before on an episode from Strategy Meets Action, but he came with us to give the um, kind of the view from a consultancy standpoint and, and, and where he sits. And then we had on uh, an old friend of ours, Dan Moore, who's the chief operating officer at QBE North America, and he provided his perspective. And along with all of those, we're going to have Dan Reed. Dan is the managing director at AmFam Ventures. He's going to bring the perspective of an investor and really let us know what he thinks about it. We also have an exciting guest, Asaf Wand, CEO and co-founder of Hippo Insurance. I think Hippo and Lemonade a lot of times get lumped into the same bucket. And a lot of people said, well, Hippo might be next. So we're going to get to talk to Asaf and what he thinks. Caribou Honig is joining us, chairman and co-founder of InsureTech Connect. Always a delight to get him. He's a guy who has his finger on the pulse of the InsureTech industry. And it'll be exciting to hear what he says. Uh, Jen Byrne, she's the CEO of Kisney, and she is going to bring the perspective of the startup community and really an all-around perspective. So excited to have her on. So instead of us talking any more about this, I'm sure you all want to hear what these people have to say about the Lemonade IPO. So why don't we just get to that, Lee? I think that's a wonderful idea, Rob. So without further ado, here are our series of interviews that we had with a number of important, interesting people about the Lemonade IPO and what it means to the insurance and insure tech ecosystem. Hey, everybody. We're here with 
our guest, Dan Reed, Managing Director at American Family Ventures, coming to us from Wisconsin today. Thanks for coming back and giving us a minute, Dan. Thanks, Rob. Thanks for having me back. It's a pleasure. We were just talking real quickly about where you are, but we everybody knows where they are today. They're probably at home. That's right. Is that where you are? Yep. It's been three months now, four months, something <laughs> like that. I'd be off by a day or so. And uh-huh. now I, I'm off by multiple days. I, you know, I, I think it's Friday and it's actually Tuesday and it, it's, uh-huh. I've just lost all sense of bearing here. Right. It's kind of what, what it's like to be a retired person. Uh, I don't know what day it is. Sure. Sure. If if a retired person had 10 hours of Zoom calls a day, that that would be what it's like. (laughs) Oh, well, and I'm sure most do. (laughs) Right. Uh huh. So, anyway, let's just jump in real quick and get your thoughts on the Lemonade IPO. You're in a particularly interesting perch. I mean, you run a, a venture organization, a VC organization. We're interested on what your thoughts are of what the Lemonade IPO means or signals to the insurance and insure tech ecosystem and, and what's your take on that? Yeah, well, it, it is it is the talk of, of the moment for sure at the moment. And, and I would say that it would be in a more interesting spot to comment on, on it if we were investors in Lemonade. So kudos to the to the people who had a chance to invest and, and to, to the Lemonade team. It's just a, an amazing story. When I reflect on what does it mean to our space, I think about there appears to be this disconnect, maybe even a strong disconnect between how you know, legacy carriers talk about Lemonade and how the public markets are, are valuing their story. And I, I think that disconnect where the legacy carriers are a bit more skeptical about the valuation of you know, a company trading at something 30 plus times gross written premium you know, and the fact that that's exactly what they're doing out in the public market suggests that there is this public appetite and an ongoing demand for insurance innovation, and mm-hmm. I, to me, that that is the, the, the most powerful signal that that I'm that I'm seeing here is that Lemonade was you know, among these first movers to tell a different story to the market about what insurance could be, about how engaging with an insurance carrier uh, you know, could feel, and it, you know it seems to be really paying off for them. I think primarily, it, it's obvious that it's still a growth story. I mean, it's it's still centered around what they intend to do about how their story is going to play out in, in coming years. I think more, even more so than, than a typical stock. But I think the most, the most powerful positive attribute that Lemonade can talk about is, is that they're acquiring the next generation of insurance customers, which mm-hmm. is you know, more or less synonymous with the, the digital first customer, which is a, a growing segment of the population. And mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I think that's very much worth paying attention to uh, for, mm-hmm. for everyone involved in this, in this insurance market. We spoke with a, another friend from a carrier, and his take was their competitive moat is not that significant, particularly for more aggressive carriers like AmFam, as an example, or some of the others who have really taken a lead position in the insurtech take-up world. Do, do you agree with that, that maybe they can be caught on a product level? There's a whole class of companies that have a similar profile to lemonade that I would expect to their, all of their boards are probably talking about should we should we move more quickly toward an IPO right now? But sure. you think think about a, a root or hippo or clear cover or, or can or next I mean, the, the list keeps growing. I think that if these companies, these kind of digital first companies that do have this resonance with with the digital first customer, if they're able to stay focused on serving that you know large and growing segment of the insurance market and really align 
their cost structure, their product approach to serving that customer better than anyone else. I think that's a winning story for them because if you think about the legacy companies, they, they have, they have tremendous positive things going for them around their, their scale benefits, the you know the capital base that they have, but they are also serving a broader segment of the market, which implies, you know, a, a broader set of engagements and, and, and with that comes a cost model that, uh, is, is tough to unwind right um, over time. And so I, it, it's hard to say, I mean, if, if lemonade were to, were to say, as I think they've, they've, they're on record as saying that they plan to go kind of up market into the, into the homeowner's market itself and extend out of the renter's market, you know, they, they may find themselves tempted to broaden their customer lens. And in doing so, it, it may negatively affect their cost model and erode some of the advantage that they may have uh, already. I, but I, I don't know. I, I can't really say. So it's, you know, it could go either way. I, I, I think the future is more digital engagement. And if you start with that, then you don't have to unwind a, a more comprehensive engagement model to serve all of your legacy customers. You must think that's the disadvantage that the incumbents have. Yeah, I, I think it's the challenge that they have. You know, I, I wouldn't characterize it exclusively as a disadvantage because having millions of customers is its own advantage, <laughs> and, right? right? And, and right. having, uh, you know, the surplus that comes with that. I, I think that, the, you know, the interesting thing that could really happen here is, I mean, it's such a clear example of an IPO going well, at, at least in yes. what we are now at the day, day four or something of, of their, right, uh, right? That, that it's got to be extremely tempting for all these other companies to say, well, we should go the IPO route. Uh, inv- you know, investors have made money, but I, I actually think the more powerful approach would be to align yourself with a carrier that has a, a need for transformation and mm-hmm. really, a, you know, a really strong balance sheet that can help support the growth for the next decade or two. Well, it's certainly a fascinating time, and this is a an interesting wrinkle or distraction or opportunity or all of the above that that uh, that lemonade has discovered we really appreciate your time and really appreciate your insights once again thanks for making time for us yeah thanks for having me well hi everybody we have a soft wand with us today founder and ceo of hippo very excited to have you on welcome Asaf. thanks for having me well, you know, we are doing this series today talking about the Lemonade IPO and what it means for the world of, of InsureTech and insurance. And uh, we'll just start off with what is your thought on this whole Lemonade IPO? What's going through your mind? Firstly, I'm, I'm, I'm very excited by this uh, event. I think it's a maturization of the, of the industry. It's a path to build uh, franchise businesses in InsureTech, which I think is really, really important. It definitely shows the pent-up demand that uh, institutional investors and customers have for these kind of businesses. So I think it's a really, really positive. Uh, and it's also a good testament for the really cool millennial renters brand that uh, Lemonade were able to build. Yeah. I have to ask you this because we've actually done a couple of these already today, and a lot of people lump Hippo and Lemonade saying, when is Hippo going to go? You know, if Lemonade went, what about Hippo? What's what's going on? You know, what what do you say to that when people say, well, wh- what about you? What are y'all going to do? Uh, you know, I would be lying if I wouldn't say that it's something that, that didn't pop on our radar and half of my investors called us to discuss <laughs> this. But it, I think what's important is to realize that going public is 
it's not the end. It's it's a mean, and it's a, it's another way. It's a fundraising event. It also raises basically the profile of the company. It's an important component, but it's not. You know, the, the goal of Hippo and Hippo's investors is not to go public. Going public might be one of the things that we're going to do to keep on raising money to bring more visibility to the brand and something like that. It's something that we've been thinking about for quite a long time. We're always prepping the company to have the option that if we want to go public, we would have that. I am not 100% certain that we are fully ready to be a public company as as Epo is now. There are several things that I want to take mark before doing it, but it's something that is definitely front and center for us. What do you think about the other insured techs out there? Do, do, do you think that we'll see a race to go public? Do you think that that'll expedite people's plans? I think it would probably expedite uh, the plans and the banks would push for it as well. So I think if, if someone thought he's going to go public in 24, 36 months, it's probably going to shorten the time span. But it's really, really important to, to, you know, to also understand there's a certain process with going public. It usually takes nine, 12 months from when you're feeling that you're ready. It's not something that you turn on and off really, really fast. You need to make a prospectus. You need to have, there's a lot of stuff that needs to happen. And who knows what the market is going to be like in nine to 12 months time span. I'm not sure how much it's going to, it's going to affect that. But you did see Allstate announced a big acquisition. Uh, yes. KKR has, been, you know, has done some acquisitions. I think there's going to be a bit more consolidation play in the market. If anything, during COVID, most of the insurance industry has proved to be quite resilient. Mm-hmm. And I think it was beneficial for a lot of companies in the auto space and stuff in the PNC. So I do think there's going to be some interesting moves that would nudge forward more because of this IPO. Yeah, I would agree with you. I think that between that and the Allstate move, a lot of people are thinking, wow, there's a lot of life in the insurance world, maybe more than we originally thought, even though a lot of people thought that there was a lot. Uh, I have to ask you, whenever you were on our podcast, we talked about Israel-based companies and founders, and Daniel is from there, you as well are from there. Uh, I read an article about, is this going to have investors looking closer at those founders uh, who are from Israel? What do you think about that? I think investors and then media usually like to uh, bucket everything together into kind of uniform theme. Uh-huh. The Israel entrepreneurial environment and ecosystem is very vibrant. There's a lot of VCs, there's a lot of public companies. It's been something that was known for quite a while. Guy from Next Insurance is also Israeli. There's no lack of good Israeli companies for a while. There's a good brand for Israeli entrepreneurs. You know, it, it, it's, just, it's just there. It's not a new thing. Yeah. It, you know, there's just a slightly higher concentration in the field of insurtech. What did you say to your your investors when they called you? Obviously excited. How did you respond to their, I'm sure, enthusiasm to maybe move forward in that direction? That nothing changed for for Hippo. We've been having our own plan for the last five years. We keep on executing on that. Companies that are resilient, strong, and executing and, and bringing a lot of value to consumers are going to be worth a lot of uh, money. And exogenous uh, events should not impact or change our, our thoughts. So we're happy to discuss with them. We're happy to see and learn from that. But we'll, uh, you know, steady as, as she goes. We keep on doing what we're doing. So you'd say the same thing to other other startups, insurtech startups that are out there working and growing. Just work your plan. I, I think that's, you know, 
entrepreneurship is, is such a roller coaster. The most important thing you can do is focus. So I, I really strongly urge people to focus and, and do what they do best and keep on executing and keep on ex- and focusing on, on their customer and then keep on focusing on their employees and then share all the values going to pop out of that. It's not different. It's consistent. And, you know, that's what I would do. I wouldn't put any blindfolds over my eyes and not look at what's going on in the market, but it's not, this is not short-term kind of uh, moves. Well, it really looks as though you're out there making uh, a lot of news yourself. I've seen uh, Hippo in great, great context, you know, within the, um, the LinkedIn feeds and, and news records. So, well, Soft, we want to thank you so much for being on today and giving us your insight and thoughts on this. And uh, we look forward to the next time we talk to you. Just say when. Always a pleasure. <laughs> Thanks so much. Thanks, Asaf. Thanks, guys. We're here with Mark Brading today from Strategy Meets Action. And Mark is an alumni of our podcast and been with us before. And we have him with us today to go over the question about what the Lemonade IPO means to the InsureTech ecosystem. And Mark is particularly well positioned to answer that. So we'll just put it right out to you, Mark. Give us your thoughts on that. Well, thanks, Rob. Well, there's no question that this this IPO is important for the industry. Lemonade overall has been a catalyst for change for the insurance industry. In fact, just a couple of months ago, we released a research report on what we call our top 50 insure techs in PNC. And of course, Lemonade was on that list. I think there's a, a wide range of opinion out there in the marketplace, which is probably why you're doing this series. There are some that have the opinion that Lemonade is going to grow dramatically and it warrants this very high valuation and the IPO just validated all that. And there's others that think it's all hype and the insurance results are never going to live up to this hype and all the marketing and the valuations that they have. So these two divergent views are, you know, kind of making an interesting conversation. Where do you weigh in? What's, what's your thought? Well, I've always thought that this is a long play. I mean, starting an insurance carrier, you know, you're going to be profitable within a couple of years, right? Mm-hmm. It's really difficult to to build a rapidly growing profitable insurance company in a short period of time just because of the nature of that business. So, you know, I guess I'm, I'm not at one of the extremes. I'm somewhere in the middle. Uh, I think they... They certainly have, as I said, been a catalyst. Their business model has been interesting. There are a lot of people watching them. And I think just the jury is out. They, they still have a long way to go before they prove to me and to others that they're actually, gonna, they're actually going to disrupt the insurance industry. Because, you know, in the, in the scheme of the global insurance industry or just the U.S. insurance industry, they're still very small. Right. And have had a very minor financial impact on the industry overall. Do you think that the excitement is over the fact that they're first to market of sorts in that they're first to the IPO world out of the whole InsureTech group of startups and and going concerns that are out there in the InsureTech world? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, uh, this is obviously this is in the midst of a very unusual, volatile time. So I don't know if this is a predictor of what's going to happen with future InsureTech IPOs. Uh, I think Lemonade is is quite unique because, first of all, 
they started only in renters and they were never going to disrupt the industry just focusing on renters insurance. Of course, right? of course. You know, and obviously their plan has been to expand into different lines of business, which they're doing with homeowners and with liability over in, in Europe and expand into different geographies, which, you know, they're now in Germany and, and the Netherlands. So, so they're, they're trying to build out that growth potential, but do they, do they warrant that huge valuation? I, I don't know. It's, you know, uh, it's, it's, you have to be a very long play investor to, to put your money in it, I think. Working with many carriers, how you do at high levels inside of those carriers, how do you think the carrier is looking at this? Do they see this as threatening that now they have an even better capitalized competitor or some other way? I don't think most property casualty insurers see them as threatening. They see them as interesting. They're trying to learn lessons. How are they? What's their business model? How are they approaching things? And of course, Lemonade has pivoted a couple of times. They started with the whole peer-to-peer idea and quickly moved away from that to, you know, more focus on social advocacy, the whole give-back program, and all that kind of thing. But they've really kind of migrated into being more of a traditional type carrier. So I, I think a lot of insurers are interested watching them, but they don't really feel threatened. I mean, just I'll throw this out. Insurers do feel threatened with, say, Root, who's grown a lot more rapidly, you know, in the auto space, now moving into homeowners themselves and, and, and across different uh, states. And so I think they're a threat. If I were a PNC auto insurer, I, I don't think Lemonade's there yet where any insurers are shaking in their boots that they're going to really truly disrupt. Do you think that Hippo is maybe a better example of somebody that they're keeping their eye more closely on? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I personally think Hippo is amazing. The way that they've built out their ecosystem and continued to expand their offerings and their capability and now with the acquisition you know that puts them in a position to to be a you know an underwriter you know they they definitely and they've grown rapidly as well they're well they're well capitalized so i i think that they are they're interesting and maybe for lemonade it's just because they started in in renters you know which is a smaller line and you know for most insurers it's a it's a minor line so we'll see. I, I think the next, I'm going to say the next two years are going to tell for Lemonade, right? If they're able to build out their homeowner's business and it really does start to grow and they start to get their combined ratios down and, and, and are moving towards profitability, then I think they're a threat. But I, I, don't, I don't think they're there yet. So I know that you work with a lot of insure techs also directly and talk to them and consult with them. What's going on? How, how do you think the, the startup community and, and the insure tech, the actual insure tech company community views this? I mean, obviously, they're probably elated. Well, yeah, because, you know, to credit of Lemonade's founders, you know, they have a great vision. They have a great marketing engine. They've really built an amazing, strong brand. They built a company that's growing and, and they've you know, they've gotten all these funding rounds and now an amazingly successful IPO. So, of course, every InsureTech founder is looking at this and saying, that's what I want to do, right? I don't want to say it this way, but in some ways, like the success of the company, the financial success down the road is secondary, right? Because at least, gosh, if you could have a, you know, a successful IPO like this, that's a, that's amazing. So I think I think certainly the whole InsureTech community is applauding this, right? Uh, no matter where they are in the ecosystem. 
Sure. Well, it's the first chapter. We'll see what the next ones have to hold. We really thank you for being with us and thanks for, for sharing your thoughts. Thanks, Rob. Appreciate it. Hey, everybody. We have Tim Atia, CEO and co-founder of Slice Labs with us, and we're here to pose him the question about the Lemonade IPO. And, and that question is, is what, what are your thoughts on how the Lemonade IPO and what's happened with it thus far um, affect the InsureTech ecosystem? Well, besides jealousy and envy. <laughs> That's very forthcoming of you. <laughs> I think I think it's it's very positive. I think I don't think anybody ever gives enough sort of insight into how hard it is to do what they did. It's really, really hard. And it's, especially when, you know, some people are not, you know, necessarily hoping you're gonna be successful and are always sort of digging in and are not looking at all of the good things. I think they executed, I, I like to say flawlessly. And I, I, know, I know that means in the startup world, you make mistakes along the way. And uh, I think it's very, very positive because it's a, it's a sign that it is possible to do something that's impactful in the insurance industry. And I think anything they've done or any of the startups have done is, is going to be good for the industry. Anything that moves the industry forward, and I think I think it does help move the industry forward. If not creating debate, I think it's great. What do you mean what they did was really hard? You mean just start and get to this point? Sure. Yeah, come from mm-hmm. outside the industry, try to change things, try to push the envelope, try to do new things. Yeah, everything they've done, you know, um, from their marketing, their delivery, the fit of their product, the quality of their products, how they executed. I think, yeah, I think it's it, it helps move the industry forward and, and show that it is possible to do something new. Well, great. Thanks for your insights. Appreciate yeah. it. No problem. Hey, we are here with a very, very, very special guest that has joined us all the way from St. Louis, Missouri, Dan Moore. Chief Operating Officer of QBE North America. Thanks for being with us, Dan. Thanks, guys. Appreciate the opportunity. We we love having you, and you're an alumni of our podcast, and we're thrilled to have you back on to ask you the question about Lemonade and what's happened in the past week and get your thoughts on how the uh, Lemonade IPO has affected the insurance or insure tech ecosystem. What, what, what do you got there? Yeah, sure. So, uh, so, so first off, I think you anytime anything good happens in the industry, you got to celebrate that. And so, kudos to the the Lemonade folks for, for pulling off a, a successful IPO. Obviously, that's not easy to do, uh, and so there's a lot of work that goes behind that. I, I think the you know I think it signals a lot of interesting things for for the insurance industry. One, I think it uh, it does signal that there's a lot of demand, if you will, for uh, fintech and suretech uh, types of opportunities, uh, and there's a recognition amongst a lot of the investor base that there's opportunity to disrupt aspects or elements of the insurance you know value chain, right? And I think uh, that's evidenced by a lot of uh, the activity you see. I think there's probably a little bit as well. Uh, of the, you know, a little, a little bit of the, that that might probably come off of the, the the lack of IPOs recently and a little bit of the hype that kind of surrounds uh, some of these disruptive type technologies and maybe some of the that pent up emotion is built into that price. But either way, it's, uh, I think, recognition by the market that there's a lot of things there. I, I think it's, uh, you know, one, uh, you know, in terms of other types of, uh, of uh, insure tech, fintechs who are looking to go out, 
Obviously, this is one of the first uh, pure plays that has gone out. Uh, some of the others having gone out before, uh, not quite as pure, more in the distribution or other parts of the value chain as opposed to the whole chain itself. Uh, and so I, I think that, I think it continues to demonstrate probably some the, you know, opportunity for those folks who are looking to continue to, to, to you know, get some capital via, via the markets to continue their journey on uh, uh, building out an insure tech fintech view. Uh, I, I think, you know, I think it, it, the pricing probably for me dictates that there's a, and I, and I think that, you know, others have, have articulated this as well, that, that, it, that, it, that it probably presents a, uh, uh, a go big or fail kind of, uh, uh, of uh, binaries outcome for, uh, for, for folks at Lemonade. Uh, I think the, the one uh, interesting piece that I've seen out there and probably holds true is uh, it gives them some capital to do some interesting things with uh, and, and potentially, uh, you know, stock as currency for other acquisitions. And to the extent that, uh, uh, that they're smart about how they, uh, how they deploy those resources, uh, they may find themselves uh, uh, successful in ways that they didn't originally intend, i.e. outside of the, the pure uh, IA enhanced or IA oriented uh, insurance market. Uh, because at the end of the day, I mean, you know, personal lines, uh, renters, you know, the AI quoting and the, the you know, the, the, the AI, the limited AI claims aspects are interesting. But those are those are those are things that, you know, uh, Lemonade has probably spurred a lot of the incumbents to uh, to focus on over the last Sure, month. sure. It's not a, it's not a USP. Yeah, right. It's not. And I think uh, and, and I think kudos to kudos to Lemonade for kind of pressing that issue. I mean, there's things on the conversation uh, at insurance companies around the uh, around the globe that weren't there before, uh, whether that's uh, some of the AI uh, uh, supported activities or whether that's things like behavioral economics. I mean, you know, some of uh, some of some of the work that uh, that uh, has been done by those folks has, has spurred thinking in ways that others hadn't considered as much before. So kudos in that regard. Uh, but I think uh, more broadly, it probably you know. For Lemonade itself, uh, you know, I think the challenge still is to how do how do how do you how do you become profitable? How do you grow the base? Uh, you're you're still you're still still a pretty small fish in a big pond, right. and uh, and the and the and the, and the incumbents uh, that the barrier for incumbents to replicate some of what you're doing is 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 lower than I think some people may realize. That said, uh, you know, I I, I I think it's exciting. Uh, for what it represents for the broader market and for insure tech fintech innovations along the way, but uh, yeah. but I think it's going to be real hard to overcome the the advantage of incumbencies. Yeah, you bring up an interesting point, and that is their market share. And I don't know what it is offhand, but obviously it's very very small, certainly in the U.S. And I know they're stretching their legs over in Europe as well. So, do you think that this raises the eyebrow or the makes people on the carrier side, on the incumbent carrier side, scratch their head or think, oh, maybe I should look at this this way or that way? Or do you think other than the excitement of it, it really doesn't mean much to the entrenched incumbent market? Uh, I mean, I think uh, I think their impact to the incumbent market has already been, uh, already been made, if I'm honest. Uh, I think it's the it's and you see that when you when, you know go talk to any number of incumbents about what they're working on within their organizations. They're working on AI enhanced underwriting, AI you know AI enhanced triage, 
they're looking at you know straight through processing on claims. I mean, those are lo- lots of things that, that I think you know were, were in part being worked on before uh, Lemonade came out, but 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 certainly accelerated and and, and reemphasized uh, and, and reinvested in by lots of incumbents with uh, the advent of uh, the advent of Lemonade on the scene, right? And so uh, so so I don't know that the IPO itself does much to incumbents uh, other than kind of uh, continue to spur them forward in the, in, in the, the, their, their role to try to figure this thing out. So, And do you see a lot of that in the, in the incumbent world that they're trying to either catch up or even lead in, in the, you know, technology focused carrier side? Well, I, I mean, I think there's, I think there's always, uh, always a, a desire and an effort on the part of uh, of the carriers to and the incumbents to find ways to be more efficient and effective uh, at delivering value for their customers, right? And I think, I think one of the things that you have to ask yourself is, uh, you know, if you were to if you were to line up all of the costs that you have as an organization, which ones would be the ones that your your customer would actually be willing to pay for, right? Uh, and when you think about the cost costs that exist in some of the incumbent organizations, the, the, the reality is, is some of the frictional costs of doing business are things that don't necessarily uh, your customers might not be anxious to pay for. And in, in that scenario, yeah, the, the, there's definitely a lot of work that's been done in, in, in that space. And uh, technology like uh, AI uh, has the has the potential to help remove some of that uh, frictional uh, frictional uh, cost and. Uh, to improve the efficiency and the effectiveness uh, in a way that, that 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 adds value for customers, right? I mean, uh, it, you know, having an effectively triaged underwriting submission allows an underwriter to to either you know pass it through more expeditiously if it's if it's in their sweet spot, or dive in and be a little more creative at finding a solution if it's perhaps a little bit more hairy. But but that kind of uh, that kind of technology allows for. Uh, uh, for removing some of that frictional cost that otherwise would be borne by humans, similar in a claims environment, right? Um, sure. Have the ability to to take perhaps some of the and and I think in in Lemonade's case, this is no different. I mean, they've got the classic black puffy coat example that they kind of went out the gate with. But the reality is, is simple claims probably don't need you know a lot of extra effort, and you know to the extent that we can. Uh, get those expeditiously, uh, you know, adjudicated uh, in, a, in, in an effective and proper way, allows us to spend time with claims professionals on on claims that are, you know, more complex, you know, large loss fires, uh, uh, you know, coastal weather events, those kinds of claims uh, are not going to be solved by an AI bot, right? Right. And we'll still need uh, claims expertise. Uh, but but freeing folks up from dealing with black puffy coats allows, uh, allows you to focus on the, the areas that the greater expertise Okay, and with that, I think uh, we'll put on our black puffy coats and say thanks for joining us, and we appreciate your insights and forward to having you on again. Always look forward to talking to you guys again. Thanks. We have Caribou Honig with us, the co-founder and chairman of InsureTech Connect, among other things. I hear you have a new gig that you're doing as well. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, Sort of have been a special advisor for the last two years to a really interesting boutique fund focused on future of work kind of investments and uh, elevating my role there to be a partner. Well, congratulations. That's exciting. So we were just talking about the unique perch that you occupy 
in the insure tech world. And so we want to ask you the question of what your thoughts are on what the Lemonade IPO and the resulting uh, excitement about it means to the insurance and insure tech ecosystem. And wherever you want to go with that, please do. Look, it's really the talk of the town in the insure tech community, right? I mean, it's a it's a fairly big deal for anyone who's on the investment side or the building a startup side, you know, even if you're one of the incumbents and trying to figure out if this is real or just hype. Uh, I don't know if it answers that question entirely, but it, it's certainly a shot in the arm for being real. You know, look, at number one, I think it validates the thesis, right, that real equity value can be created in this insure tech thing, right? And it can be done in years, not decades. It's not a solitary data point, right? It's, it's easy to sort of write off just a single event, a single company. But now, you know, this on top of what was it back in uh, August, September, the announcement about Prudential buying Assurant IQ? Mm-hmm. You know, for a multi-billion dollar price tag, you're, you're starting to get an, enough dots to connect here to say, yeah, there's a real trend line here that multi-billion dollar companies are being built in insure tech in years, not decades. You know, it's also, I think, shouldn't be ignored that maybe you can do so in a way that's not as capital inefficient as people were were nervous about, right? And with my VC hat on, right, when you're writing a check, you're always worried about, okay, is there going to be another few rounds and are they going to be massively diluting? And as an entrepreneur, you got to be worried about that too. And like, you know, I think a couple more billionaires are being minted here in InsureTech, right? And that that's good. Maybe one of the long-range implications of this for the industry will be uh, may, maybe some of these uh, InsureTech billionaires will sprinkle some angel capital around to the next generation too. That would be good. That would be healthy for the ecosystem. And, uh, you know, I think the third thing is that it's showing the public markets, right, you know, weren't completely spooked by, uh, you know, a short-term unprofitability, uh, you know, like we thought maybe WeWork was this sort of wild turning point in what the uh, public markets were willing to tolerate. And, you know, I'm, I'm not not suggesting that in any way that Lemonade and WeWork are, you know, cut from the same cloth, but, you know, a, a hyper-growth story um, plus a plan that's really credible, right, or at least interesting, right, to get to uh, a great profitable place and a great team, right? And I think I think everyone can basically agree on that point, that the Lemonade team is really a great team. Sure. No qu- no question. Yeah. You know, and that, that combination of growth, an interesting plan, and the great team, you know, that's value, right? That's real value that the public markets are willing to, to call. So I, I think those three things come together, you know, and then finally, you know, now those folks have a couple hundred million dollars more in their war chest and a currency, like a really well-valued, good multiple currency, mm-hmm. I got to believe it, it starts to catalyze, right, some at least smaller acquisitions. If I'm those folks, right, I'm starting to look around, okay, how do I, I've got this, this customer franchise and a tech foundation, now what other products can I start to build or buy, right, to mm-hmm. uh, start offering, right? They, they've announced things like pet insurance and they're, you know, I think, talking about the build for that. But now that they've got the currency and the capital, probably want to look at buying as well. Do you think that 
being an insure tech coming from that category was important to the markets? Do you think that there's a comment about how the markets feel about the coming insure tech wave that there was a message in, in the Lemonade IPO? Well, look, there's clearly an important part of their narrative, of their story, right? Which is we kind of can start with a clean slate, right? We can figure out what we want our processes to look like. We can figure out what we want our tech stack to look like to enable those processes. It allows us to move faster. It allows us to design the products and the interaction experience, both that we want for the customer's sake and for the sake of our operational efficiency. Right? That's the narrative, which I think distinguishes a customer facing an insure tech from an incumbent that's kind of hamstrung mm-hmm. by legacy process, legacy technology, and in some cases, legacy, you know, culture as well. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not, I'm not in a position to assert whether that narrative is, you know, 100% true or 80% true or 60% true in the case of Lemonade, but that is the important narrative that's at, at play here. What do you think it says about digital first carriers and uh, in in the marketplace, direct to consumer carriers? There's several of them that we could mention. Do you think it, this is 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 the market saying we be- we believe in you? I think the market is saying we believe that there's huge upside here. We believe that something massive and important can be built, right? I I always think of equity as having an option value to it, right? Now, that's more true at the early stage as a venture investor than as a a public market investor. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I I think that clearly the public markets aren't saying, oh yeah, Lemonade, good company, and clearly they're capped at a couple billion dollars of of outcome, right? Because then why would you invest if you're already, right, at the ceiling? So the public markets are saying, we think, you know, we think there's presumably there's, we think there's a chance that this lemonade thing, they don't fulfill their destiny. Their vision is something that, you know, can't quite get there. And counterbalancing that, there's some sort of massive upside that's even more massive than the few billion dollar market cap that they've already achieved. So I, I, I still look at lemonade. It's still, a, you know, by public company standards, a, a fairly young company. Right, mm-hmm. um, as, as something that is, in a sense, validated now. That while, of course, there's downside risk, there's also, almost by definition, still a lot of possible upside. And whether it's lemonade or you know any of the many other customer-facing, you know, full-stack uh, insurtechs out there that have not yet gone public, you know, I'm more convinced than ever that we're going to see a number of them be successful, both in terms of their, their equity value and in terms of building real, profitable, sustainable, enduring businesses. Mm-hmm. I, I wanted to ask you about that um, as, as we come to a close, and that is, is you have a great uh, position that you sit in as, as leading one of the leaders of InsureTech Connect, which does just that. It connects you with, with a lot of InsureTechs. What, what are you hearing from the community other than giddiness about 
you know, what this means and, and, and what it bodes. Well, look, there's clearly active debate, right? Very active debate around, you know, is this valuation the right valuation? Does it make sense? Does the underlying business support it? And Lemonade has, in a sense, always been polarizing on exactly mm-hmm. those questions. And and oddly enough, going public, I don't think has actually changed that. Arguably, going public has increased how polarized people feel about it. Um, but I, I do think that this is kind of the the sort of declaration. Right. If assurance IQ was not enough, this certainly is the declaration that right, insure tech matters. It's here. And and with that, we'll say thanks. What a great way to end. And um, congratulations on your new work. And uh, we look forward to talking to you again soon. Always my pleasure. We are here with Jen Byrne. Jen is a alumni of our podcast, as well as a friend and a co-host on our special edition that we did with Kisney in the not too distant past. And we have Jen on with us today to talk about the Lemonade IPO from her unique perch and perspective. And so we'll, we'll just get right to it, Jen, and ask you, what, what are your thoughts? What are your insights about what the Lemonade IPO means to the insurance and insure tech ecosystem. Well, thanks for having me back. Great to be sitting with you guys again. And yeah, I think it's a terrific question. I would say on the one hand, it's super exciting for the industry to see one of very few tech IPOs this year be in the category of insure tech. So I think that's, that's exciting for the market and hopefully we'll portend other future IPOs for other insure techs in the not too distant future. And it's exciting too, because it's technology providing service to a fairly underserved market, being the younger generation that's really digitally focused. And so it's sort of validating that, yes, we need automation. Yes, we need technology, not only to become more efficient, but to communicate with the younger, more digitally savvy customers than we've um, been doing so to date. And on the other hand, I would say it's sort of fascinating, though, that you know the stock went from you know twenty nine dollars up to sixty nine when it's a company that uh, has been losing money um, quite a bit <laughs> over the last several years. And in 2019, I believe they lost over $100 million. And with the narrow margins that they have, you just wonder, you know, why did the market get so excited about the IPO? Is it because of the future growth? Because they're going to move into, you know, upselling and cross-selling other products beyond uh, renters and home insurance? Or is it just because there's a dearth of IPOs and tech IPOs this year? So it was exciting for investors to put their money somewhere since a lot of the market is overbought and expensive right now. So it'll be interesting to see if that momentum stays within the market and if they're able to truly grow and and improve margins. But you know, when you charge five bucks a month for renters insurance and you start to pay out claims, as you all know, mm-hmm. um, those uh, it can be difficult unit economics. So, um, so I definitely think exciting, but also 
I guess, cautiously optimistic, and and hopefully um, they can you know grow and get into other states and geographies uh, with other product lines like PET and some of the other uh, areas of insurance they've talked about. Your company, Kisne, runs competitions. Most notably to us is the your female founder competition. Have you heard from some of your contest participants about this? I'm wondering what the startup community is thinking. I mean, obviously, it's, they're, they're probably very excited. But, but what, are, what are you talking about with that group of people? I think the consensus is definitely you know, excitement, right? Because there just haven't been very many. And this is a new, it's a new category of tech. And it's being validated not only from an IPO perspective, but the fact that there are so many customers that need to be served, right, in a digital form, I think that's super exciting. If I'm an entrepreneur with a tech solution for insurance, I'm wondering how else can I better serve millennials, digital, native customers, and this sort of validates that. And on the other hand, losing you know $100 million and having a lovely opportunity to go public is, is kind of interesting too. So I, I wonder too if some startups might think, well, maybe I don't need to focus so much on, on margin and unit economics because I can still, with the right investors backing this and the growth story, still perform well um, and have more capital to continue to grow. The, the consistent worry, as we've talked about before, though, is that most insurtechs and technology startups that are run by women do not attract the amount of capital from institutional investors, right? So they don't get the capital that a lemonade obtained from Sopping and, and Sequoia and others. And so are there other opportunities to get enough funding into underserved startups. And that's really part of what we're doing is saying, how can we help you scale up? How can we get you access to capital in different forms? Maybe it's not venture capital, um, but how can we create, I guess, more opportunities for more startups, not just only unicorn to attract, you know, the large institutional investors. So I think there's that concern still, obviously, because the numbers are not moving in the VC landscape as of yet. Are you hearing from your community a range of um, thoughts plus both positive and negative on the Lemonade IPO? For sure. Um, Those from a deep history in insurance in in the core industry, so not not, um, tech folks, but the actual leaders in the industry, most of what I've heard pre-IPO and now at the IPO um, is that they are skeptical of the issue of losses, unit economics, and how much can you grow, how much will customer acquisition and retention continue to cost? And so is it is it really um, uh, a profitable business? Could it mm-hmm. be a profitable business ever? And so I'd say, those from the you know traditional business of insurance are, are a little bit perplexed, I would say. And those that are thinking more of it as um, tech forward, they will, I think, look at this more as a, a classic tech IPO, whether you're Uber or others, right. they were also losing money. And so I think if you're coming from a tech background, you're more comfortable with that notion of scaling losses, just build your customer base and then figure out the profitability versus coming from insurance 
where you can't even compare, you know, Allstate had what, almost $5 billion of profit in 2019, as opposed wow. to Lemonade, where they lost $108 million in 2019. Any, any final thoughts that you have on this from where you sit? Yeah, I guess I would say I'm remain optimistic that there are a lot more of the InsureTech IPOs to come. It's a a, a very uh, large industry, trillions of dollars. There's a lot of room for digitization and improvement of customer experience. And I think customers are looking for that. So I do think that we should continue to be optimistic and and fund more, more startups and also just try to serve customers in new ways and the ways that they they want. So that part is very exciting to see Lemonade really achieve that. Cool. And we'll look forward to the day when uh, one of your female founders is sounding up there on that that podium, ringing the bell. I will as well. And I will make sure we are on the show with you and that we celebrate. You better. That's what matters to us. Okay. Thanks for being with us, Jen. We appreciate your time. Thanks so much. Hey, everybody. We have a leader and a thinker in the InsureTech area, Mr. Rob Galbraith with us, who is an author who wrote The End of Insurance as We Know It and has spent a lot of time and energy in the InsureTech space. So we're going to jump right in, Rob, and ask you the question, how do you think the Lemonade IPO and what's happened with it affects or what does it mean to the InsureTech ecosystem? Yeah, thanks for for having me on on this question, Rob and Lee. It's great to be with you guys. Um, So I actually have really mixed feelings about it. On the one hand, I definitely think it's something to celebrate. And I know there's been a lot of celebrations and words of support for Lemonade over the past week. Um, It's tremendous, right? So in their less than five-year journey, um, just to go from an idea to, to an IPO, I think is really incredible. Right. And so I think for InsureTech in general, it's a, it's a really positive thing, right? Uh, just to show kind of that you can build up, that you can have an exit, that you can have an influence, you know, that's of this size and this magnitude within this time span. So I think it's good overall. Having said that, I put a little asterisk by that and say that I'm actually concerned. And obviously, you know, it, it, it's done tremendous since its launch, right? It, it had an awesome first day. Uh, we're recording this on the second day of trading. It's done even more. So I, I have not personally bought stock yet. <laughs> it's a little too, now, now I'm definitely not going to buy it now that it's gone up so much. But, you know, I think I just worry about, you know, at its core, right? Lemonade is, you know, homeowners and renters insurance. And, you know, they've had great growth, but Right. still a tiny fraction of the market share. And so I just don't know what the full outlook is for Lemonade specifically as a, a company going forward. There's a lot of insurtechs out there, a lot of interesting platforms, platforms I think that will actually scale more uh, than Lemonade will. And so Lemonade looks a little bit more like a traditional insurance company. And so at some point, it's going to have to be evaluated as a traditional insurance company. And so if they don't do anything to... You know, either license their platform, go into other lines such as you know personal auto or commercial or whatnot. I actually don't think the lofty valuations that it's getting right now are going to be justified going forward. And I do think that the stock will take a bit of a head. And to the extent if if and when that were to happen, I think there's going to be a big piling on of the naysayers, right? And uh, you know, see, we told you so, blah blah blah. And right. again, how, how investors rate Lemonade as a company, whether they think it's a good investment or a bad investment, based on you know the financials of the company projected going forward, vis-a-vis whatever the stock price happens to be on any given day, right? 
that that shouldn't be a commentary on tech in general. And I'm a little bit worried that it will be. So if the stock starts coming back to earth, then I think you're going to see a lot of people piling on and a lot of naysayers. And it, it actually could be a bad thing for some startups. So I definitely think if you're an tech startup founder, right, you should be celebrating, but you should want Lemonade to do well, not just in this first week, but you know, long term. And over time, it, it's a sample set of one essentially right now, right? So obviously there's a ton of great companies, a ton of great startups. Some will do well, some won't. Some will be in the, the, the middle and have solid businesses, but not be spectacular. But, you know, Lemonade, you know, however you feel about them, they've done a tremendous job of marketing. They've done a tremendous job of getting that brand recognition and carving out, right? Yes. A space for themselves. And so I, I just worry that, again, you know, whether you love Lemonade or whether you hate them, that they are very polarizing. And so that everyone is going to kind of take again, how the stock performs for Lemonade and then kind of pivot and, you know, again, either pump up or, or tear down and sure tech overall, right. Is a, I call it a movement really just based on that. So yeah, like I'm, I'm excited. I'm very happy for that. Those guys, but I, I have a little bit of concern about what it's going to mean going forward. Do you think it lifts all the boats in the tide for insure tech that from insure techs that are working like Lemonade that are, you know, direct to consumer plays all the way over to tools that are out there like Cape Analytics or who knows what. Do you think that all valuations kind of increase as a result of this, that the market is saying that? I think TBD on that. I, th- I think definitely based on the first two days of, of uh, you know, the share price it, it just going up, you know, I think we're almost right three to four times kind of what the, the IPA price was. So, you know, if that were to continue or to hold, then yes. But I, I do worry that you know, to the extent that it comes back down or, or falls. And, you know, the, I think the other part that's really tough to know is, right, what's going to go on with the coronavirus and COVID. I think Lemonade was wise to hit this, this particular window, right, because the stock market has really come back over the last three months. But I would worry about a prolonged recession. I'd worry about you know, stock market valuations, which are looking you know, very frothy at this point if you kind of do a forward PE standpoint. And some people say, well, you can ignore that, right? The economy will recover or not. But so I think in the short term, it will. So if you know your IPO windows in the next month or two, it's probably a good thing. But I don't know that that will be the lasting over time. So, And I worry that, again, if the stock gets beat down, then that actually could um, shave off for some valuations. So I think it's too early to make that statement about rising tide, lifting all boats. Well, listen, we appreciate your thoughts in a few minutes and we look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks for sharing your know-how and knowledge with us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on, guys. And it is a big day. It is a big moment. And so I am excited for what it means for SureTech in general. And I do think there's a, a positive story here to celebrate. Thanks, guys. You got it. Thanks, Rob. Well, we'd like to thank all of our guests for being on today. It was wonderful getting to talk to all of them and learning about their their perspective and their thoughts on this Lemonade IPO. I'm excited about the future of InsureTech and what it holds. And we'd like your thoughts as well. So if you have a an, an idea or a thought or input or uh, feedback, please let us know. You can contact us through fnoinsuretech.com which is our website. And we're always interested in what you have to say and interested in you subscribing to our podcast and, and being a listener. And so until the next time, we'll say goodbye, everybody.